Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me as my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche podcast. I'm your host today, AJ Hayfley. Back with me today, Nathan Rudolph. We're going to talk some draft. We're going to talk one player in particular. So I decided to go back to the, the the man that everybody has been clamoring to have back on the show with me this week. Nathan, what's up, dude? Hey, not a whole lot. Starting to feel like I live here now. Me too. <laughs> me too. This is this is our new normal for right now. So, I mean, I don't really have a new normal. It's I go day by day, you know, as my mic just drops. Okay. <laughs> that was really awesome. Cool. And now I'm doing this live on air. Let's do this. Uh, so today we are going to get into Bowen Byram. Uh, I'm assuming that you guys have already checked out bsndenver.com today and seen the feature story that I wrote on the interview that you will hear later on in this show uh, that I did with our summer intern Callie Agnew yesterday. Oh. We recorded it yesterday evening and uh, wrote up the story and put it on the site. You guys can go and read it all about it. Um, I had a nice, I don't know, 13, 14 minute chat with him or so. And uh, got to know him a little bit. Talked all about lots of different things. As I said, you guys will hear that later on in the show here. Segment number three. We are going to talk about him in prospect terms. We did this a little bit last week, but it was mostly just focusing on the draft and uh, draft position and all those things. Uh, today, we are just going to talk Bowen Byram himself. We're going to talk about the man. We're going to talk about the player, uh, how he fits, why he makes sense, who he is. So I guess let's just get right into it. In your eyes, I mean, we did this a little bit, but who is he? Uh, he's a number one caliber defenseman that can play in all situations and play forever. And it's the type of talent that's just, you see it and you never want to pass it up. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's, it's been such a strange draft season. The guy had a dominant year in the WHL. I mean, Point-per-game player. Uh, scores 26 goals, 45 assists for 71 points in 67 games played. 
takes a not great Vancouver Giants team to the to the game seven to overtime of game seven uh, of the WHL championship series against Prince Albert. Uh, 26 points in 22 games, eight goals and 18 assists in the postseason becomes the first defenseman to ever lead the WHL playoffs in scoring. Why aren't we talking more about this guy anyway? I, you know, I'm not sure you, you really think we should be. It's, it's incredible how, how much he's done for that team. I mean, you can basically pull up any random WHL game this season and he'll play 25 plus minutes in it for Vancouver. So he's basically on the ice for everything that happens for them. And it's, it's tough to say why we weren't talking about him more until recently. You know, I, I kind of throw it into the idea that there's so much other talent in the WHL with doc Krebs cousins that maybe he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. And obviously he's a, he's a tier below the Kakos and Hughes's. So he just kind of slipped away as the, everyone assumed he was the best D man and didn't push it any further than that. Well, it just, it seems strange to me that we haven't talked about it despite what a special year statistically he's had, because we've talked about everybody else having a crazy good year, right? You know, we've talked about Jack Hughes, uh, breaking the career scoring record, uh, for the development program for the United States national team development program. Uh, we've talked about Capo Cacao breaking the goal scoring record, um, for uh, for the U eighteen uh, for for U eighteens at uh, in the Liga broke Alexander Barkov's record. You know we talked about Cole Caulfield breaking Phil Kessel's goal scoring record. What's what's it just seems crazy to me. Uh, Bowen Byram does you know everything that he could possibly do. He has a legitimately dominant season. Uh, as a defenseman, uh, putting up crazy offensive numbers, but it's not like he's a one, you know, it's not like he's a one-way player either. He's a very, very good defender. And yet it just, it just sort of seems like everybody's like, oh yeah, well, he's the best defenseman and this, this draft class is all about forwards. So doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I wonder if it has a little bit to do with the, the international tournaments, not that Byron was bad at them. He had quite good at, good at the Holinka, especially. But at the U18s, he only had one assist in five games. So especially for people that, that don't follow the, the CHL leagues closely, besides stat tracking, maybe they really didn't get to see the best of him at times. But it's it's pretty crazy to think just how insane of a season he had when you look at the numbers. I and mean, He's the third highest scoring defenseman in the WHL as a 17-year-old. And the next draft eligible player is like 20 players down the list or something. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's really is kind of nuts, man. And like the WHL talent itself, like we're talking the dude, the dude is going up against these forwards that we're talking about in the top 10, you know, range uh, of doc cousins and Krebs. And like he outscores, he outscored Peyton Krebs this year. Yeah. Just, just straight up outscored him. Scored more goals than Doc, straight up. And so you're, you know, you're like, uh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I just, the more I've looked at this, the more I've thought, this is, it's really weird to me that they, that they just don't, 
the the NHL as a whole has just sort of been kind of down on him. You know, the the McKenzie, the last McKenzie ranking that he did, he was number six. Like yeah. it, I'm I'm having a hard time believing there are five prospects that are clearly better than him in this draft class. Uh yeah, I'd I'd have a hard time believing there are three better than him in this draft class. So it's it is a bit of a weird one. I, I do wonder uh, if maybe the NHL scouts are, are a bit put off by taking defensemen in the top five a little bit. You know, if you look recently, guys like Ekblad at one haven't quite become the superstar they wanted. Guys like Hannafin even, very, very good player, but was he supposed to go in the top five? Ah, it's a little debatable. So I'm wondering if just the bias towards forwards there has has become stronger. Well, it's it's funny though because the last three guys taken in the top five that were defensemen were Darlene Heiskanen and Makar. Right, and they all look and, like absolute studs, right? right. So. All three of those look like they're going to be like the the next wave of great defensemen. Like those three guys are going to spearhead this generation of defenders that destroy everybody. Yeah. So, you know, I maybe they feel like this draft class as a whole, the defense is a little bit weaker. So maybe they see Byram as being propped up by that a little bit. I, I don't, I think he's legitimately a a total stud. So if they don't want to place him that high, I will gladly take him when he's available. Yeah. And you know, we've talked a lot about it and there's, I mean, there's a real possibility that this, this guy's not even available for. Yeah. They very well could go with three at Chicago. How much would that break your heart? Not only just to watch to, to to watch Dallas jump in front of you in 2017 and get Haskinen, and then to watch Chicago do this to you and get Bowen Byram two years later. Like you love you love having Kale McCarr, and so you're like, hey, not going to complain about having Kale McCarr. That's fine. But watching your division rivals jump you in in draft lotto twice in three years and get franchise caliber defensemen. I mean, that's that's a deep cut now you have to now you have to compete against those guys yeah uh you know turcotte or doc or whoever we would end up with in that scenario definitely softens the blow a little bit but knowing that we're gonna play chicago seven times a year for eternity and byron's (laughs) gonna play 30 minutes in all of those games is not something i would be looking forward to ever (laughs) yeah it's and and i'm i mean i'm i'm not looking forward to chicago drafting anybody right i'm (laughs) I'm sitting there. I'm like, come on, please just take we'll strike out on this one. <laughs> yeah, like take take Spencer Knight. Just take Spencer <laughs> Knight. You know, like take somebody that I'm not going to be worried about for the next few years. Right. <laughs> it's it's definitely going to be it's going to suck watching that pick happen, just like it did two years ago when Dallas rolled up and was like, sure, well, I got. I mean, I guess we'll just take this franchise defenseman <laughs> that we didn't earn by losing all those games. Yeah, that's the painful part too. Is you you look at someone like this and you go, "This could turn this team around immediately." They're not even very far removed from cup runs, and now they get this, and it's like, "Oh man, they're just gonna come right back, aren't they?" Yeah, I mean, bounce right back, and and it's been fun watching Chicago kind of out of it. Yeah, and then and because then you know it's. They, they gave up so many prospects. You know, they were so desperate 
to get rid of bad contracts that they were giving away prospects. You know, they're giving away Tara Vinen. They're giving away Jalmerson. They're giving away, um, you know, bad money that they had to get rid of because they, they put themselves in legitimate cap hell. Uh, they gave crazy matching raises to two players, and one of those two players immediately fell off the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like 10 seconds after he signed that contract, he stopped being an elite NHL player. Though, to his credit, he had a great bounce back year last year. He did. Uh, and then, you know, they're, they 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 get to Brincat. He turns out, you know, they've, they they fleece Arizona and they get Dylan Strom and Brandon Perlini who become contributors for them. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, God, they're back, aren't right. they? Hey, even worse, right? Because they made all these fleece moves and then. It was like, okay, well, you know, at least they'll be like 14th pick in the draft. So yeah. they're not going to get quite a good caliber there. And then they jump up and it's like, oh, God. Right. And you're and and whatever possibility existed going into, you know, uh, where where they would surprise everywhere. A, su- a surprise would uh, would happen and Kakao would get, or Hughes would get to the third pick. You can't even be like, oh, that's awesome. Like, this is crazy because because now you're like, no, no. Don't let that happen. (laughs) Whatever you do, Jeff Gordon, don't do it. (laughs) Just take whoever's there. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if you take Bowen Byram second, I'm going to hop the fence and fight you, sir. Yeah. Like, not okay. I don't need to play Kako oh, often, <laughs> dude. Or or Hughes, like, I'm, yeah. Mm-mm. We saw we got a little bit of glimpse of that with the USA Russia. Yeah, uh, Zadorov tore up Hughes, and then Hughes rolled back down the ice and made a great play to that led to a goal. Yep, it's... and you're like, all right, well, that's what it's gonna be like to play against that little guy. Two months ago. Either of them playing for Chicago was not the Avs playoff implications I was I was hoping they would have. Dude, right? <laughs> oh, it's it's going to be it's it's really going to be fascinating because uh, they whoever Chicago does take like that's somebody Colorado is going to have to compete with. Yep. And I hadn't really thought about this. I don't think that this will become a I don't think that this will become anything that they even think about when they go to the fourth pick, but if if Chicago does take uh, a center, you know, if they do take if they do take a, a Turcotte or a Doc or a Cousins, you know, they they take one of these big forwards that we're sitting here talking about, it you know, that that makes them pretty deep offensively, especially if Strom is for real. Yeah, that's like the big key for their whole everything right now, I think, is if Dylan Strom is legit and he's going to be even just a good to see, then between Taves and Kane uh, and and Debrincat and Strom, they get another guy down the middle they get or if they get cousins, you know, and he's there. It's sure. oh, man. Yeah, it's. You know, imagine a world where Taze is still overpaid, but it's okay if he's not an absolute sixty-point-plus player, right? And it's like that because that—that's all right. So you're going to need a good deep defense to be able to handle that. Yep. Here's your opportunity. This is the best opportunity that they're going to get, barring a complete collapse of what we all think is about to happen for the Avs. Yeah, it's 
and I, I mean, you can even go further than that within the division in Dallas, they have Sagan, Ben, and you know, whatever they continue to build around that, whether it's, it's Radulov or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, when they signed Matt Duchesne this summer. Right. Sure. And so, you know, they have not nearly as much depth, but at the top end, you absolutely need defensemen that can handle that. You go to the blues where O'Reilly has had a fantastic year on scoring mm-hmm. and Tarasenko always extremely dangerous. So outside of maybe Nashville, almost every team in this division has incredibly strong high-end forward talent that has to be countered. Well, and that's like the thing that Nashville's like, all right, we get this. This is not yep. working. We're not We're not going to win a Stanley Cup going super heavy with the top 4D and getting by with okay top six forwards. Right. They know that they need a game breaker, that they need, they need a, a, a more special talent up front. I think they're going to go all in this summer to do it because they see the window closing. They should. Yeah. I mean, they see they they see the fact that okay, Chicago Chicago and Colorado are about to jump way up. You know, they've already got to they've already got to deal with Dallas. They've already got to deal with Winnipeg. They've already got St. Louis. But now you got these two teams that are also coming. You know, they're David Poyle is as much as I think he's a little overrated as a GM. Uh, just in that, you know, we we laud him for his excellence with the 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 crazy contracts that he's been able to trick people into signing. But when it's been when it's come to trades and things like that, he's really there are some serious issues yeah. there. There have been some really <laughs> really big misses that he keeps very, making. Very yikes on forwards, especially. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, how many assets have they gone through the last several years trying to trying to trying to get that thing right? right? I mean, you the Hartman move is a perfect example. You give up a first for this guy for your playoff run and, and into the future, and then the next year you're trading him in a fourth for Wayne Simmons. Right. right who? No part of that is good. <laughs> who I think? Who I think scores what one goal? Yeah, he, he did like nothing. <laughs> and it was like I like like when Derek Broussard looks like a legitimately productive deadline addition next to Wayne said, like, you know, you made a big you mistake. Yeah. You're you done goofed, man. <laughs> so it was, it was def. It, it's, 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 they have to, they have to adjust big time. They do. They absolutely have to adjust. Um, And, and the fact that central teams are, there, there are two central teams sitting in the top four that don't belong there <laughs> that are drafting at the top of this draft. And, you know, for Colorado, getting Bowen Byram, I mean, that's – you can argue whether or not he's, like, the the, the best uh, player available at four. But he's definitely the best defenseman, and there's yeah. definitely room for him. There's definitely a fit for him. Yeah, somewhere I, on I there. Agree. It's it's he's the best defenseman by a mile, and I don't see enough separation from any of the forwards that even if you think he might not be the the fourth best player, he still is right there. I know. I'm I'm sure we talked about this last week. I, I don't know if we did it on air though. But who do you have as your second best defenseman in this class? Soderstrom. Okay. Yeah, I think we talked about it a little, but. There's a couple in that category, York, and I, I'm not a big fan of Broberg, but a lot of people throw him in there as well, and, and yeah. Cider too now, I guess. But I, I definitely, I think uh, York, Broberg, and Soderstrom is probably my grouping, yeah, uh, as well. Like those are the ones where I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, I agree. 
And yet, of those guys, only one of those guys I'd be okay with at sixteen. I, I would not be. I would not be down with Broberg and Cam York as much as I do like him. He just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like in a vacuum, York would be fine. Yeah, like if you're only focusing on just the player and like, hey, there's a good chance he turns into a a good NHL player. Um, But I mean, just talk about not not making sense for a fit uh, with skills and all that. Not at all. He's not like Byram, which is what the Avs would be targeting. In a defense. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a two-way guy, a guy that can play high level of defense. Right. All right, that's going to do it for segment number one here. Um, we're going to take a break, come back on the other side, and we're going to talk about what it would look like if Byram was taken by the Avs. We're not going to talk about just the player. We're actually going to dig into he's been taken. All right, we're going to fast forward. The Avs take him. What does it look like? What does that mean moving forward? What's his timeline look like? How does he fit in? Who does he play with? Best case, worst case, all those types of things. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. I have got to tell you guys about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, Topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I am AJ Hayfield. He is Nathan Rudolph. We are the BSN Avalanche Podcast. We will be right back. Welcome in second segment here of the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. Nathan, fast forwarding. About a month now. A little, little less than a month, actually. It's crazy how fast this happens. When uh, when your team is not done the first week of April. Comes um, let's fast forward. Fourth pick has just been announced. It's Bowen Byram. He's an Av. What now? Well, in the immediate, I definitely think you're looking at a forward at 16. But beyond the draft, uh, he's going to spend his next year in Vancouver. There's, there's zero doubt about that with the Giants. I mean, unless something absolutely crazy happens. So... He won't really have any impact on the Avs next season, but beyond that, you're looking to start shaping your defense for him. And the most obvious thing there is Tyson Berry becomes a lot more expendable, especially for something like a futures package. You think so? I mean, I've been in the camp for a long time that moving Barry is probably what's ultimately for the best for the team anyway. It's just about what we got in return. You know, there was talk of Truba, possibly Nylander. I, you know, I, a lot of that stuff probably wasn't actually that close, but the longer we wait to move him, and especially if you have a Byram waiting in the wings, I think the futures package is, is the most realistic return. So you would do that instead of just uh, re-signing Barry and just seeing how it goes? Yeah, I, I think I would, under the assumption that we are doing things in free agency this year and to get forwards. I think that's a fair assumption. Um, I, I think it's a fair assumption that they walk out of free agency with at least one forward that will get top six minutes for this team uh, yeah. next season. At I least, agree. at least one forward who will be, who will get dropped into that role. And, you know, obviously the, the impact and the price and all that will vary on depending on who it is. But I think that they're, I think it's a safe assumption that they walk out of there with at least one of them. Right. And 
Barry's not going to be cheap if we do want to keep him on. Like, I, I'm okay with it if that's the way they want to go, but... How how expensive do you really think he is? You know, I don't, I don't want to get into, like, a side thing here, but I'm just curious, kind of in your mind, where you view that deal. Uh, roughly eight million, I'd say. Okay. Uh, who so was? We're on I, the same page. Yeah, I looked up someone that was like a super good comparable that I can't remember who it was now. I've been using I've been using Keith Yondel as mine. Um, very similar careers up to that point, same age as as uh, at the time of extensions. Um, all of that, and I I think eight million is perfectly fair for him. Yeah, now, the years I would like to not give him seven of them. Oh, Latang is who it was, and he's uh, he's at what seven or seven and a half? Yeah, he's seven and a quarter, and that was signed four or five years ago now. So yeah, so I I do think eight would be fair. Um, you go much higher than that, man, and <sighs> yeah, that's if he's asking nine plus. That's yikes. Yeah, I mean. Signed a long time ago, but that's PK Subban's money, <laughs> and that's uh, that's rough. Yeah. Okay. Um. So your immediate reaction is, all right. Well, now we have Bowen Byram. Like, bye, Barry. Like, bye, girl. You getting out of here? Yeah. I. I it's. I mean. Okay. Perfect world. You move EJ instead, but I just don't think that's realistic. Sure. I don't think so either. I had somebody today ask me about buying him out. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't buy him out. And he has an NMC, so moving him isn't exactly just something you can do on a whim either. Right. I think, I really don't think EJ is a big problem for them right now. I I don't Uh, think he is either, but. At $6 million with the cap going up the way that it is, uh, it's just, it's just not such an albatross of a contract. Um, he's tr- he's going to struggle to live up to it. He definitely didn't this last season. Um, you know, 25 points, you, you do hope for a little bit more than that from him. You do yeah. hope that, hey, this this guy's going to give you a 30-point season. Y- you do. And, and like you said, it's fine. He'll be fine on a $6 million contract there. <clears throat> I, I do think he probably has started to decline with age a little bit, but he's not off the cliff or anything. So, I and well, and I think you can get two years out of him. Yeah. You can get to the expansion draft, exactly. and then you can have that conversation. Right. You know, protecting him, I think, is a no go. I don't think that there's this desperate need to trade him. I don't think there's this, you know, oh god, he's he's holding them back so much because there isn't an obvious replacement for him right now. Uh, even even if Kale McCarr takes his job and ends up as the number one guy, you know, and and Tyson Berry ends up as your number two guy long term, and Eric Johnson is your six million dollar guy on the third pairing, I mean, I you still have to you would still have to find a replacement for him, you know, and at that point you're hoping, hey, Connor Timmons got healthy and good things happened. All of that, all of that could is possible. Like, and if those things happen, then that's a good problem to have. Yeah, certainly. and long term, you know, when when you're talking about drafting Byram, the guy that you're saying, okay, well, long term, he'll replace Ian Cole. Ian Cole has two years left on his deal. Um, yeah, it's it's easy to say Byram's two years away from um, from playing for the Avs because one year and 
you're still sort of in the same position that you're in today where you're like, well, where does he play? Correct. Uh, but two years from now, you can have a different conversation. Uh, he could take an Ian Cole spot. You have a much better idea of what Connor Timmons is going to give you. You have a much better idea of what Nicholas Malosh is going to give you. Yeah. It, you're you're just two years down. I mean, you're a year, even a year from now, we're going to be able to have very different conversations about what this defense looks like uh, moving forward. You know, maybe maybe Ryan Graves completely falls off the map. We're not talking about him like we are uh, today <laughs> where we're like, oh, yeah, you can play him as a seventh guy easily. Maybe we're like, whoa, 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 this guy completely fell apart and he's terrible. We can't do that again. Yeah, you know, it, and then Connor Timmons or Nicholas Malosh ascends to the NHL team, you know, and goes up and takes that spot throughout the year. And that that all those things would have have trickle down effects on everybody else in the organization. Uh, but but Byram is a guy where it's like, hey, this is a guy that can come in and can can be a difference maker for you. This is not a guy where you're asking him to come in and be a third pairing cat for you. Right. It's it's a very nice situation, I think, for a defenseman, regardless of whether it's Timmons or Byram, whoever. Yeah. Uh, for the first time in a long time, the Avs have a decor, especially two years from now, they will have a decor where you will have sheltered spots available for prospects. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like Gerard, who has to come in and immediately play in basically the top pairing, or Makar, who Makar was so good that he just did jump right into that type of role. So with a Byram or a Timmons or whoever, it's something that you can get them into the lineup. You can have them play, let them develop at a bit of a slower pace in the NHL, and then when they're ready, you can move them up. I do. How much do you think Nikita Zadorov's sort of middle of the road development here, where he hasn't hasn't taken a big leap forward, but it's obvious he's an NHL caliber player? How much do you think that factors into this conversation here when we talk about this team in the future? I think it does matter for Z. I I particularly like Z, and I did think he took some good steps, especially at the end of this year, dealing with his brain fart issues. How so, many times have we said that, though? Right. It's. I think know, this is the third year in a row where we said, where we've been like, hey, lots of good development uh, throughout the year. I really liked how he finished the season. Yeah, is this just going to be eventually right? Is this just going to be a thing that we have to put up with where? He doesn't show up in, until December of every season. Because, I mean, there are guys who are slow starters like that every year. And you do have, uh, guys do have to kind of work their way into the season. But that's tough to do. If you're going to rely on Zadorov to be a top four guy for you, that's a big ask to be like, oh, well, he's just going to take the first two months to get himself into, I guess, a game state. I, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not shape. It's just being effective. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a conversation that, that they need to have. And it's it's hard to say with Z because he clearly can be capable of playing top four. It's just, can he do it all the time? And you'd feel a lot more comfortable with him as kind of a number four or five, I think, than really a number three. Yeah. So having someone like Byram that can step in and quickly become even early on in his career, ideally a number three type kind of guy would be very nice to have, especially if Barry's not around. And I mean, realistically, man, I, I think that I would expect Byram to overtake Gerard. 
yeah, I, I agree. I think you're looking at a top pairing of Byram McCarr and then Gerard and whoever. And right. I'm, I'm and that's team. where you hope Timmons is okay. Right. Uh, especially if you decide to move on from Barry, then you're, hey, you're saying, hey, maybe, you know, Gerard and Timmons together is a pairing that could work. You know, they've got complementary skills. It's not, it's, they're not going to be running into each other. Uh, they're not going to be breaking the puck out in the same way. You know, Timmons isn't going to be the kind of uh, zone exit monster that Gerard has already turned into. Uh, so that's a pairing that could that could work out again if Timmons works out. I mean, yeah, um, it, it, it would be nice, right? You think about it too. Gerard's skating can help cover for Timmons' issues in that area. Yeah. Well, and and both guys very high IQ players, uh, and both very capable of moving pucks. So it's not like because it's not it's not like Timmons is a. Well, I mean, it's it's hard for us to talk about what Timmons is because we don't really know right yeah, now what he here. is in, in pro <laughs> hockey, but. I mean, we could we could be talking. EJ will be there, so yeah. you know that's the immediate. EJ is gonna slot in, right? Right. So if Barry is gone, then you're talking about you know Gerard and, and EJ, which has been your first pairing this last year. It's all of a sudden your second pairing. Together, yeah. Like that's is there is there any more of a, a testament to how talented the defense would be than that right there? But. The top pairing that they got to the postseason with this last year is would would be their clear cut second pairing down the road with the addition of this kid. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible, and and that's without Barry too, right? Right. That's I mean that's moving Barry. If you have Barry, you know let's let's I guess let's dig into that. If say you keep him, say you do sign him, uh, then then you you're talking about you know maybe Gerard and McCarr sticking together. Because I don't think you want Gerard and Barry together. You really don't <laughs> defensively. But, but then Byram and Barry. I mean, right. we've been we've been talking about how Zadorov and Cole this last year are the best partners that Barry's ever played with. But you give you give Byram two years down the road that job next to Tyson Barry, and you know then your third pairing is is Nikita Zadorov and Eric Johnson. Yeah, I mean, if you're a, if I mean, you're a, a second platoon forward core for another team, and the team's top defensive forwards are taking down Makar and Gerard, and then you have to step up and and go against Barry and Byram, you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> I just, to me, that's even if you lose a guy in the expansion draft at that point, right? You're still so solid. Yeah. Because then you would be able to, you would be able to freely protect, um, Gerard, uh, McCarr and Barry. And you'd ask Johnson to waive his no movement clause right. and under the assumption. So. And I feel like it would be a fair assumption that Seattle's not taking a 33 year old defenseman with a $6 million deal and two years left on it. Maybe they do when they want him for leadership. I'd be very surprised. Yeah, um, I, you're probably looking at Zadorov there. Well, Zadorov is the juicy one there. You never know what's going to happen with goaltenders. What if Francouz proves he's totally legit? That's true. And you know, then okay, well, maybe they want to take that guy. They're they're going to sign guys at at forward in free agency this year. Yeah, you know, there's that that means that you could be looking at a Kerfoot or a Comfer or a Jost potentially being yeah. available the avs forward depth isn't the barren wasteland it used to be either (laughs) 
Right. And because, well, and I mean, you get a couple years down the road and, you know, you get two years down the road. And I hate getting the expansion draft weeds because so much is going to happen. Yeah, it gets. But but like Nikita Zadorov isn't like this, like slam dunk. They're going to take him. They have to take him. He's the best player by far. You know, he would be a real talk. He would be a third pairing guy for the abs. Yeah, in that in that scenario, you know, right now. He's sort of like a sort of a, a middle pairing guy for them at most. Yeah. And I think that what we've seen out of him uh, would would tell us that that's all he's going to be. And that's yeah. th- there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not I'm not coming down on him just that, you know, some of the ceiling that we saw when he was drafted and they first traded for him. Uh, as a guy who could maybe put up 30 points in a season and play dominant defense. That's, I think, I think that's, that conversation's gone. Right. I I agree. And it's, you know, I use the term a championship caliber defense. Nikita Zadorov is a third liner on a championship caliber team. I I believe, or a third pairing. I, I think that is for sure. I would say. I don't disagree with you. Uh, and and if and if he's not, then I would say that he's interchangeable with the guy who is yeah. on that uh, third pairing. A four or five. Yeah, good. Very much like what they have with Ian Cole right now. Yep, I agree. Where it's you know fans, I think I think popularity would demand that would say that Zadorov is better. Um. But if you were to ask, um, you know, if you were to ask 31 head coaches to watch tape of the abs and pick a guy, I think it would be pretty even between the two. Yeah, Cole has his issues, but Zadorov's issues are very. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're they're pretty similar, honestly. They both have problems with penalties. They both have very strange hiccups with the puck, uh, and they both they both have a tendency to sort of lose their guy uh, around the net. Yeah. Although I think Zadorov is, I think he struggles in that particular area more than Cole does. Uh, but, but Cole struggles with the puck more than Z does. Yeah. I'd, I'd say Cole has that, that veteran wiles kind of around the net, right? He could be yeah. a little bit more physical, get away with a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, they're, the, I mean, that's getting back to Byram. That's why Byram is so interesting because right. he is not going to have those puck issues. Well, and he's and he's a guy that you know, his presence means that you aren't forced to elevate a Zadorov into right. a role that maybe he doesn't want to get into. Exactly. You know, if 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 you know, knock on wood, if if there's a significant injury to one of the guys on the top, you know, if they're a Gerard or a Makar or whatever, then Zadorov is one of the first guys that you're looking at to say he's going to step up and play big minutes. Yep. And. You know, I just, for me, it just seems like Byram puts the bow on a decade's worth of efforts exactly. of building a defense. You, If you're throwing Byram, Makar, Gerard for the foreseeable future on your D pair, like, forget it. Don't even think about it anymore. You're done. <laughs> and, well, and, and then you have, you know, it's not like you're going to stop drafting the position. Right, of course. You still have Timmons and Milosh there. You have later round draft picks. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have Cole-level uh, free agents that are available every single year. 
Right. And but now it's it's the difference of if you're picking up a Cole, you're asking him to be a number four or a number five. You're not asking him to be a number three. Right. I mean, coming in and and you're you're just it's so different. It's such a different world. And the other thing that I think uh, it, it protects against Gerard never taking a step forward. It does. And I don't think that's likely. I agree. I, I think he'll be just fine. But but I, if this is all he ever is, let's say that this is the only this is all he's ever going to be, is a thirty-ish point guy who plays solid defense. But it's obvious he's not like a a true top pairing guy. This protects against that that possibility. Absolutely. I I think another place that helps with Gerard specifically is in the playoffs. We've seen two years in a row now. Gerard has struggled with the physicality and been injured yeah, in the playoffs. That's fair. And that's something that Byram's a much bigger guy than Gerard is. So he can step up into that situation and, and take some of that physicality off of Gerard. Does Byram ultimately help as much as one of the forwards? I think he does. It's, we agree. Yeah, it's it's very close, especially with someone like Docker Turcott, as the Avs have an obvious need for a two C. Right, but they have an obvious need for a two C that exists today. Right, and one of the things that we have to be realistic about with this draft class is that the Avs aren't drafting for today's team. They aren't two years from now at the earliest, right? Right, and I think two years is a fair expectation, it is. allowing allowing for the possibility that whoever they take it for goes ham next year and pushes their way into the NHL after one year. And if they do great, let's get it, but don't expect it. Right. But even then you're talking about bringing another teenager into your lineup and it will not be a lineup that is up and coming and, Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that, you know, this is going to be a lineup where the expectations are now. I mean, they're all, they've already shifted. The abs could do nothing this summer and the expectation, the, the bar has been raised for this group already. Absolutely. Because of what we saw them do. This is a this is a team that this is a team that needs to be competing for home ice in the postseason. I agree. It's hosting round one. At, that's like the baseline, I would say. Right. That's I think I think that's me even not pushing it very far. Right. I mean, realistically, the abs need to be competing for the central division title. Yeah. I, that's I, that's where their mindset needs to be. They need to be thinking about you know, no more bleep, bleep, bleep banners in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I, you I know? fully agree, especially if, you know, that's next season. By the time these guys yeah. are ready to come in, next even season. if it's only one year, you know, we're talking about we should be close to, if not contending for Cubs. And so if you're talking, I mean, that's next season. That's immediately. That's the abs need to be competing for the Central Division next season. Yeah, I agree. And the thing, the thing that when we talk about the drafting with the fourth pick and those, those expectations mean that, that those young guys are not going to, they're going to have to be very special to get uh, a, a immediate, like an immediate role, like Makar. Makar, it was obvious Makar was on a different level. Yeah. And he came in and he fit in immediately. You know, he could have gone in in his first game, could have gotten spooked, wide-eyed. Everybody on earth would have understood. Oh, yeah. And it would have been, and it would have been, and it would have been like, okay, the abs need to adjust this kid's role to something he can handle. Yep. 
they threw they threw the kitchen sink at him and he caught it. So that's and that's rare that that happens. It is. Yeah. And when you're talking about drafting a, a kid at number four, that's going to be coming into the kind of environment that whoever it is, it doesn't matter who they draft. That guy's going to be coming into an environment where he's not, you know, we're to, Oh, the abs need a two C they need a two C I'm sorry, but the abs are going to find, they're going to figure something out before this kid shows up, whoever I, they pick it for, they're going to have, they're going to have a, an answer next season. Even if that answer is Tyson Jost. And so that's, they're going to do something. They're going to, there's going to be somebody who plays those minutes and gets that time. What, what I think if they take one of the centers, if they take a doc, if they take a Krebs, I guess we'll say cousins. If they take a Turcotte, um, then I guess you know, a Zgross, whatever, take, take one of the centers. Then they're more realistically taking Soderbergh's role as the three C for next season. Right. And and that's pretty standard, right? For, especially for forwards, first year players that you pretty much throw slot them in under the third line and then they earn what they earn. So that, that would be the ex- expectation for any of the forwards in their first year, especially, but it, it could shape how the Avs want to set up their roster in the future. We've, we've seen them try Jost on the wing. We've seen them try Comfer on the wing. Right. Could we see some of these guys move to that type of role more permanently? Yeah, and if that's the plan, then Cousins has a totally different value. Yeah. If that's if that's something that they're having that they have in mind, then we are then I will take the Cousins conversation seriously at four. If it's oh, it's gotta be a two C, it's gotta be two C, then you're talking about Turcotte, you're talking about Doc, you're talking about Krebs. Yeah, I and I, I guess Seagrass, whatever. Uh, four I, I, nah. I'm, I'm sorry, it's really just Doc. Like for me, I'm like it's I agree. it should just be Doc. I would throw Krebs in the conversation, but that's just because I really like him. So. Same, well, same. And I do think that the interview process is going to help him out a yeah. bunch. Yeah. But that's all of this about the forwards is, is I mean, we're going to have the same conversation about the defense. Right. Byram is not, we're talking about, oh, Byram will be next to Makar, right? <laughs> but eventually it's, it's, not, yeah. it's not happening in 20, in 20, in the 2020, 2021 season. Right. That's like more like 2022, you know, when, when Byram has gotten into the NHL and he's gotten, gotten some time and he's, he's gotten a chance to adjust, you know, it's going to take time for him to overtake, especially uh, if Sam Gerrard absolutely does take steps forward, then he's chasing him. Yeah. You know, then it's like, okay, now you have to unseat this guy who's one already really good and two getting better. It's ideally what I want. If EJ's on the team, I think him and Byram, assuming EJ is is holding on to his caliber of play, would be mm-hmm. a, a very nice second, third type pairing situation because you yeah. can just throw EJ as the veteran out there. I think Byram can learn a lot of things from him, and you're you're moving forward and getting Byram the experience he needs. And that's that's a good way to one. I mean, get value out of EJ beyond just on the ice, right? Yo, I mean, he's EJ. It's not like EJ is going to stop being a great guy tomorrow, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So it's they're gonna they're gonna always have that leadership from him. And granted, like you don't want to pay for those things. The intangibles can only cost you so much in terms right. of money. EJ's play on the ice still needs to be worth it. Yeah, uh, but 
if it is, then all those other things are continuing to be gravy. They can't be, they can't be what keeps him in the lineup. You know, it keeps, keeps him around. He still has to be a player, but that's, I mean, that's, that's a realistic way for this defense to mature and to grow and to change over the next few years, regardless of Tyson Berry is that you hope McCarr continues to take steps forward. He ascends and then as Byram is ascending, EJ is continuing to decline just because he's getting older and that's what happens in your 30s. Yep. As as I say that to myself as I'm staring down the barrel of turning 32 <laughs> this year. I'm still in my prime, okay? It's it, you know, as he declines, you know that and 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 Byram ascends, they kind of meet in the middle for a year or two as a pairing get the right. best out of each other and then, and then kind of move on. Right. Like, and, and all the while Colorado's in a great position as a team, because that's a high, that's a, that's a strong pairing where you're very likely not looking at baddies. It, it's almost a too perfect passing of the torch moment, isn't it? <laughs> it, it really kind of is like this situation is almost too good to be true. Right. <laughs> Where we can have this conversation and have a player that's like this uh, available because I, you know, how many, how many times have I, how many times you look in the draft and you see that the top defenseman does not go in the top three? Often enough, but like it, it happens. Yeah. But it's not super duper common. Like it's, it's not, it's not something that happens every year. It, right, and, and you see this, you know, the top D in the draft always ends up rising. You know, like last year, it's it's kind of like a quarterback in the NFL draft where it, it there's always that helium late. Yeah, and you know, last year Rossman's Darlene was wire 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 to wire number one. That was easy. Yeah. Twenty seventeen, Haskinen went third. You know, twenty before the combine was like what around ten. Yeah, exactly. The Haskinen was too. Like Haskinen was a late riser in that season as well. Right. You know, 2016 top top defenseman uh went 5th. And we knew that wasn't a great D class uh going in and it hasn't gone well. You know, 2015 Hannafin went 5th as well. 2014 Ekblad went 1st. 2013 Jones went 4th. And we all I think I think it was obvious on draft day in 2013, Jones had no business going forth. Yeah. That, you know, but McKinnon, Barkov and Druan, it, it just, it just takes one, right? Yeah. I, I wonder how people are feeling about Druan now. <laughs> well, a, a lot of abs fans have already hit me up and suggesting that the abs need to go trade for him and well, put him and McKinnon back together. I just and, meant having him over Jones. <laughs> At this I point, I yeah, mean, there's a case for McKinnon and Barkov, probably. But I mean, could you imagine what Tampa Bay looks like if they have Seth Jones? Oh, uh, they wouldn't have even had to trade for Sergachev then. Exactly. Yeah, that'd have been something. Like they've got Seth Jones. Like they maybe they don't make the Ryan McDonough deal. <laughs> ah, that's true. You know, they've yeah. got they've got Victor Hedman and Seth Jones sitting around as their top pairing, and you're just like, okay. Yeah, that, I mean, Tampa didn't need that. We'll put it that way. They got plenty of good stuff out there. So It's actually crazy. I mean, as great as Tampa Bay has been, um, whoops. 
<laughs> yeah, that one was not their best. Yeah, that is a, a well, and it's it's actually to me it's weird because uh, the year before that, at tenth overall, they took Slater Cuckoo, and a couple years before that, in twenty ten, they had Brett Connolly at sixth, and it's like they they've done an amazing job drafting, developing, and finding undrafted guys, but they can't <laughs> draft in the top ten. As long as they're not in the first round, they're good. <laughs> like. Like they do, they've done a good job in the end of the first rounds. I'm like, we're totally off the, off the reservation now, but I just think it's interesting. Like <laughs> it is. Yeah. They, they've done a good job everywhere else in the draft, getting good, good players, but like they're big, they're big hits. You know, it was Stamkos and Hedman yep. and then they messed up their other top 10 picks. They found tons of value in guys like Kucherov and points and. Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, lots of these guys. Yeah. They have a ton. There's, there's so many of those guys that they, you know, Cedric Paquette is a fourth round guy that like they get, they get a good depth guy out of him. Right. You know, 2011 Nikita Kucherov in the second round and Andre Palat in the seventh round. Like get out of here. Yeah. That's dicks. Man, I would, kill for an abs draft with that in it. <laughs> yeah well and, and Nemestikov was their first rounder that year 27th overall like that's a really good draft yeah Nikita Nesterov was their fifth round pick and you know he was like an NHL or an NHL or out of him right yeah they got a hundred some odd games in the NHL out of that guy like that's fine point but- being um that's a fun what if in history and that <laughs> defensemen don't you know, don't don't often the top D man doesn't often get to four. They don't, and and when they do, uh, you do have to be careful and make sure you believe the hype. But with Byram, I absolutely do. Yeah, same. I mean, and well, and even if they let's, this has already gone way long. But <laughs> realistically, if they get Adam Larson out of out of Bowen Byram at four, like that's that's not nothing. Right, that's you're you did okay with that. <laughs> like, sure, it's a disappointment. Um, you're you're definitely wanting a, more of a star caliber player, but that's a top four defenseman. That's you know that's a that's a fine NHL player. Yeah, I agree. It's you know, of course, you want another Makar, but yeah, it's really hard to get those. <laughs> yeah, but this is where you get them. You get them in the top yeah. five. If you're going for it, this is the place to do it. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, On the other side of this, segment number three is just going to be you guys listening to the interview that uh, Callie and I did with with Bo and Byram. It's been uh, a little bit edited because we cut out some of the pleasantries, you know, some of the, you know, we called him or he called us on the phone and, you know, we we chatted for a few seconds before we got got going and then talked to him uh, after we were done and all that. So, and, and, the you know for transparency purposes it was slightly edited at the beginning and the end but not a whole lot uh, otherwise that'll be the uh the entire interview and that's what you have look to look to look forward to this next segment before we get to that i have to tell you guys about this great new service called house lift colorado are you thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip-top condition how do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. 
That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will, will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing all of these costs. Here's what you need to do. You head to their website or their Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to 60K more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, and if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. Make sure you guys check that out today. I am AJ Hayfley. He is Nathan Rudolph. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. We will be back. Congratulations on your awesome season and playoffs. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, sorry, but it's it's AJ here. I uh, I imagine this is just the beginning of uh, all of this for you, huh? Uh yeah. I mean, I've been doing uh, lots of interviews and whatnot throughout the years as well. So um, I've been pretty busy with this kind of stuff throughout. I'd say. Yeah how uh, how was the draft season for you? What was it like going through that whole process? Um, it was really fun, actually. I mean, um, I played on a great team. I mean, we lost in the final in Game Seven overtime, so. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a good run. It was unfortunate how it, how it wound up in the end, but um, I guess you can't win all all of them. So. Yeah. Do you think uh, losing that game, unfortunately, like you guys did, that's going to motivate you for next season coming back and trying to win that win that again? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it always does when you get uh when you get that close and and don't get to uh, get to achieve the goal of winning like we had from the start of the year. Um, it definitely makes you a lot hungrier. Not that we weren't hungry this year, but um, yeah, there's a lot of guys on our team that, that gained a lot of uh, gained a lot of experience through the playoffs this year. So hopefully that'll that'll help us into next year for sure. And it seems like you had uh, quite the season. Um, what does it feel like or mean to you to um, be the first defenseman in the WHL history to have the most points in the playoffs? Um, yeah, I guess that's that's a pretty cool stat. Um, I mean, I could have done it um, without my teammates for sure. I mean, we had such a good team. We had such good depth. Um, I think that kind of reflects a lot on our team. I mean, um, we weren't really a team that had very many guys, no 30-goal scorers or anything like that. So um, we, we scored by committee all year. And, um, yeah, it, it, we did that again in the playoffs. I mean, if you look, everyone was uh, – was was chipping in offensively, so it so it made it a lot easier on me and then the rest of the offensive guys on the team for sure. Awesome. Um, how would you kind of describe your style of play and um, that kind of a thing when you're on a team? Um, yeah, I think I'm kind of a offensive uh, defenseman, but I also take pride in my own end. Um, I think I play pretty well on both sides of the puck. I can play power play and penalty kill, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I love to uh, be up in the rush. I love to create offense. But um, when I'm when I'm needed to uh, to also uh, play tight defense, I think I can do that as well. So that's how I'd explain myself. Um, do you think you tend to quarterback power plays pretty well and move the puck offensively and around the zone pretty well? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think uh, my vision and my hockey sense is one of my stronger attributes. So I think that kind of just falls into place with that. Um, I mean, we had a really good power play this year, uh, and it, it really clicked in the playoffs. I think we were around 35% at one point. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I had some unbelievable players on my power play unit, but it, it made it a lot of fun. I mean, power play, power play can be really fun when you got a good, uh, good unit that can move the puck around a lot. So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely, it's definitely some that I take, something that I take pride in. Yeah, it seems like um, your skating's pretty top notch as well. Um, I know from the Avs perspective, we have players like Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr that are both really great skaters. Um, how would you compare your skating style to? to some of the great NHL skaters out there? Um, well, I mean, I mean, I definitely don't think I'm on those guys' level for sure. I mean, McKinnon's probably one of the better skaters in the world. Um, but I think I, I have a pretty long stride. Um, I, I'm kind of a bit of a lanky guy, so I try to use my long stride to my advantage. Uh, I don't think I'm – I think my first couple strides is where I gain most of my speed. Um, so I, I try to be real explosive. Uh uh, off the few few first couple steps, and then uh, after that, try to cross over if you can to uh, gain some speed. But um, yeah, it's definitely something that I I uh, I think I can work on. I think I can get better at for sure. So um, I think there's still a high ceiling for my skating skating ability. Nice. Um, who do you kind of model your game after? Um, I think, uh, Morgan Riley, probably of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I love watching him. Uh, he's, he's good on both sides of the puck. He can run a power play. He kills penalties. Uh, he plays well defensively as well as offensively. So, um, he's definitely a guy that I watch a lot. Um, uh, I also read a lot of articles talking about how great of a leader he is, how great of a guy he is. So, um, he's definitely a guy that I can learn things from and, uh, also a guy that I can uh, look at and then take some things out of his game and put into mine. Well, what what speaking of leadership, what what kind of leader are you in that in that Giants locker room? Uh, I'm a pretty vocal guy, honestly. Um, I'm uh, I'm always chatting throughout the game on the ice, um, in the dressing room and whatnot. I I always have been, so it, it's been like that for me forever. I mean, I love socializing and that, so that just kind of leads right into the ice. Um, I think I also try to lead by example. I mean, obviously. Uh, my job sometimes is a little different than other guys, but um, I just try to work hard. I try to be one of the hardest working guys on the ice or in the gym. Whenever I'm uh, at the rink putting in work, I try to be a hard worker and lead by example. So, Already uh, already preparing for those combine interviews, huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, you know, the, the WHL producing an awful lot of NHL talent this year. Uh, who would you say is one of the toughest matchups you've gone against? Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys um, my age for sure. Kirby Doc, Dylan Cousins, Peyton Krebs. Um, those are just three three names there. There's also a couple of really good goalies in our league um, that are going to be draft eligible. So it's definitely a big year for, for the Western League. Um, I think it's kind of unique. Uh, all of us have kind of came up in the same crop of guys playing together at uh, U17s, U18s together. So um, it, should be, it should be fun being around uh, – all my buddies at the draft and at the combine, so I'm really excited for that. You know, as as from a defenseman's perspective, how would you compare the games of Kirby Doc and Dylan Cousins? Um, I I think they're a bit different. I think uh, Cousins is more uh, uses his uh, skating ability and his uh, his big body to uh, help him to get to the net to create chances, um, to use his shot to score goals. And I think Kirby is a bit more of a playmaker. Uh, he sees the ice really well. He has really good hands. So um, they're both different in their own ways, um, but they're also both both really great talents. So um, watching them and playing against them is always is always really fun. 
Um, so what are you looking forward to kind of from the draft and the combine? Um, you said you're going to be doing a lot of this stuff with a bunch of people that you know and all that kind of stuff, making those kind of good memories. But what are you looking to take out of it? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously I want to have a good showing at the combine. Um, it's kind of tough for me. I mean, I just finished my season not too long ago, so trying to find the right mixture of uh, rest and also um, and also training for the combine. But um, so obviously I want to have a good showing with that. But um, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm excited to see some buddies that I haven't seen for a while while I'm there, uh, and it'll be good to uh, to chat with some teams. I mean, it'll be pretty cool opportunity for me to meet um, GMs of NHL teams and head scouts and whatnot. So. I think I might be uh, in a bit of awe while I'm there, but uh, it should be a good experience. And I just got to soak it all in. Yeah, have you been uh, contacted by the Avs at all? Um, any of their scouts or anything like that yet? Um, no, to be honest, I haven't. Um, I, I think I might have talked to a couple of their guys briefly at the start of the year, but um, down the stretch, I didn't really get a chance to being so busy with playoffs and then being busy with their playoff run as well. So. Um, I haven't talked to them yet. I'm sure uh, well, I'd expect to uh, probably talk to them at the Combine. But, um, yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to yet. No. You know, you, you mentioned their playoff run there. Uh, and you guys, you obviously were busy with your own. But uh, how much were you able to catch of the Avs playoff run this season? Um, yeah, I was watching a lot of playoff hockey. Um, lots of those games are during the week when we're practicing. So, uh it was good. I watched lots of the Colorado games. I mean, they're an entertaining team to watch with McKinnon and Ratnan and Landeskog and then a couple of real good defensemen that uh, jumped to the play as well. Uh, they're a fast team um, with lots of skill, so they're definitely one of the more entertaining teams to watch um, throughout the playoffs. You know, they're they're in a unique position of being a playoff team and selecting in the top five this year, you know, where, you know, where your name is coming up in that conversation quite a bit. You know, next to guys like Sam Girard and Kale McCarr, how do you think you can help them uh, should they select you with uh, you know defensively down the road? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out. But um, if they were to pick me, I, it would be pretty cool. Um, obviously, they're they're a really good team uh, as of right now. So and they should be for years to come. So um, obviously, I'd have a lot of work ahead of me trying to uh, crack that lineup in the next uh, couple of years. But they have some. They have some really good players that uh, that would be exciting to play with at some point in time. Like you said, Gerard, Barry, Makar. Um, so I think their their roster is definitely uh, pretty exciting to look at from my standpoint. So we'll just have to see how how the draft goes. Yeah, you, know, you say you in a couple of years you're gonna you're looking forward to trying to make that 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 team. What do you view as your realistic timeline from draft until making your NHL debut? Um. I'm not too sure, honestly. I've asked this question quite a bit this year. Obviously, I want to play in the NHL as soon as possible, so um, it's 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 definitely in my mind that I want to play in the NHL next year. But sometimes you got to be realistic and realize how hard it really is. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not too sure how to answer this question. I mean, I I want to play in the NHL as soon as possible, so I got to uh, I got to put the work in. I got to um, train hard, uh, develop my skills and whatnot um, to hopefully put myself in a position. If it's not this year, hopefully next year to uh, crack the lineup. If you were breaking down your own game uh, into pieces and areas that you need improvement upon uh, in order to make the NHL club, which are some of the areas of your game that you would say need to you need to work on the most? Uh, I think defensively for sure. I think you can get better or I can get better. Um, my whole game can get better, obviously. But um, 
defensively, I think that's something I can key in on. Um, also, my strength. Uh, moving on, I'd be playing against bigger, stronger, older guys. So um, those are those are a couple things that I think I'm going to have to key in on to uh, to make the jump from junior to the NHL. So when you do try and make that jump, um, what kind of a defensive partner do you think you need to complement your game and kind of work with you the best um, to make that transition? Um, yeah, I really haven't thought about that yet. Um, uh, to be honest, I don't think it really matters much to me. Um, I like to share the puck. Uh, I think I move the puck pretty well, so having a defense partner that could uh, do that as well. Um, I think there's a couple guys that would complement me pretty well on that team already. So um, if I am drafted there, obviously that'd be a coach's decision. But uh, I think there could be a, a couple guys that I'd be pretty excited to play with. Uh, Barry, for example, Makar. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting if I do end up going there, but it should be fun either way. All right. That was Bowen Byram. So kind again. Wanted to say thank you once again to him. Uh, for taking the time out to talk with Kelly and myself. Uh, it was uh, educational and interesting, and it was very kind of him. Very much appreciate that. Uh, and thank you to Kelly, who is interning for us this summer. She will be making her BSN Avalanche podcast debut at some point. We're not totally sure when that will be, but it will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and watch out for her, her name to start popping up quite a bit in bylines as she will be helping me significantly with draft content uh, as we run up to the draft and then helping me with post-draft content and free agency and development camp and all the things that we're going to be doing this summer. So keep an eye out for plenty of Cali as well. That's going to do it for... This Friday's edition of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you tomorrow. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.